I want to talk about this morning is a demonstration of power. A demonstration of power. If somebody could give me just a little more of my mic right here, then I won't have to raise my voice quite so much. Um, demonstration of power. The word power means influence. By definition, the word power is influence. That which may move the mind. It means force. It means strength. And it means energy. Power is influence. That which may move the mind, force, strength, and energy. There are many aspects in our society where we can see a demonstration of power. Governments can show their influence, their energy, their strength, their force through their military. Parents can show their influence, energy, and strength as it applies to their children. Culturally popular figures can cast their influence and energy and move the minds of those who follow their lives. Church and religious leaders can show their influence, strength, and energy over those who identify with their philosophy. How these demonstrations of power and influence affect our lives as individuals is really completely up to us. Some influences are good, some are not. Some influences are godly, some are evil. How will we know the difference or how can we know the difference between who and which ones to trust? It's a really good question because there's a lot of influences that are out there. There's a lot of power that is out there. And it really depends on whether you trust in Jesus or not. It really depends on whether you trust in Jesus or not. If you trust in Jesus, then His is the only demonstration of power that you should allow to ultimately influence your life. The power of Jesus Christ. I want to read a few passages of Scripture. I want to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 1. It says this, and I'm reading out of the New International Version. It says, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, 
but on God's power. I want to stop there for just a moment. In verse number 2, Paul says, He did not come with the eloquence or human wisdom. Verse 2, He did not come with the eloquence or human wisdom. In other words, it was not His desire to influence people with His mannerisms, His words, and His emotions. But then, what He says on, He says on in verse 2, He says, uh, but I resolved to know nothing ex- while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He says, the main message that I want you to hear, I don't want you to hear the messenger. I don't want you to see anything that I'm doing. I want you to hear the message that Jesus Christ and Him crucified, that is what you need to remember. If you don't remember anything else, it doesn't matter if you remember me, but remember this, Jesus Christ and Him crucified is the message. And in verse number 4, he says it again. He said, My preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. My goal was not to try to talk you into something. My goal was not to try to influence you by my own, uh, by my own self and my own abilities. He said, but with a demonstration of the, of the Spirit's power. The demonstration of the power of God so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. There it is, verse 5. So that your faith might rest on God's power. If you look at those words, so that your faith might rest on God's power. If there's ever a time when our faith needs to rest on the power of God, it is today. We need to rest on the power of God And our faith rests on the power of God. And it only comes through Jesus Christ and Him crucified. People are flocking by the droves to demonstrations of power from promoters of a feel-good gospel that have no focus on Christ. They sprinkle a little bit of the Bible into it for special effects, but they are devoid or entirely lacking and empty of the demonstration of the Spirit's power of God. I want you to look at another passage of Scripture. I don't normally do this, but I know I'm awful needy this morning, but if somebody could get me some water from the fridge, that would be great. I don't normally, the, the, the Satan's trying to take my voice this morning, and this normally doesn't happen to me, and I normally don't drink water when I'm preaching, but I'm not going to let him win. Amen. If I have to whisper and we have to turn this mic all the way up, it'll be okay. I know Sister Gloria last week, she puts a, she puts a cough drop in her mouth, and I've tried that, but uh, it doesn't work for me because what happens, because I don't have dry mouth. I just have a uh, kind of a, 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 a overused throat, I guess. Thank you. Uh, and uh, if I put a cough drop in my mouth, then I feel like I just start drooling, and then I have to get this out, and I have to do that. And and uh, some of you are probably thankful that I'm not as animated as I have been before COVID, and go out there and just you know. <laughs> Those of you who've been Pentecostal churches, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 5. I'm going to go through this very slowly. 
And I want you to catch it. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Everybody say in the last days. days. Alright, here we go. People will be lovers of themselves. People will be lovers of themselves. In other words, they will be selfish. They will be lovers of money. In other words, they'll be greedy. They'll be boastful. Which means they brag on themselves. They will be proud. Which means they possess a high or unreasonable conceit. They're arrogant. They'll be abusive. Which means... They are harsh in their words and in their actions. They're disobedient to their parents. The Bible calls disobedience to parents, it's really rebellion. I first noticed this cognitively when we were youth pastors in our young people. I'm sure it's always been there, but it just became more evident to me when we were youth pastors a number of years ago. How that there was a blatant disregard for authority. I think It wasn't quite as pronounced then as it is today. But I think social media has allowed it to blossom and fester to the point where it's just second nature for young people today. Because once children get out from under the authority of their parents, They're no longer the responsibility of the parents. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. Parents, we have to be careful. If you're parents of adult children, you have no authority over those children anymore. You don't. You don't. You don't have authority. Now for us parents, sometimes we want to act like we have authority. We want to impose our opinion. But doing so keeps children at an arm's distance and not close up. I'm just throwing that in there. It has nothing to do with this message today. But rebellion, the Bible says, is like the sin of divination or witchcraft. We're talking about in the last days, people are disobedient to their parents. Talking about children. They are ungrateful, which means unthankful. They're unholy, which means they are profane. And there's an interesting definition that I found in the dictionary for unholy means common. Common. Meaning just like everybody else. Just like everybody else. Verse 3 says, without love, 
Which means I'm only concerned for me, not others. There's no compassion or affection toward other people. I could care less the plight of anyone else except for me. It's all about me. Unforgiving. Somebody has wronged me, so I'll hold a grudge and I might even entertain the idea of getting even with that person. Because they don't deserve me to forgive them. May I tell you that unforgiveness will cause bitterness to root out, root up in your life and spring forth. You will miss out with God and you will miss heaven yes. over unforgiveness towards anyone else. Well, pastor, that's awful strong. I can compartmentalize it and not think about it until you deal with that. You can't go anywhere with God. Matter of fact, Jesus said it this way. If you come to my altar and you bring me something and you've got something against somebody else, I do not want what you're bringing until you go and make it right. They're slanderous. Which is speaking ill of others. Which includes untruths to get others to see that person in a negative light. Church, we have to be careful as people of God. I heard one minister explain it this way, and I never really heard it better. Now, Brother James, did you hear what Ryan did to me? Now, Brother James and Ryan have a great relationship. But me and Ryan, we're kind of iffy right now. Because Ryan did something that I didn't like. But I'm going to tell James about it. Then what I have caused is I have caused something between this relationship that didn't exist before. And I caused something to spring up that should never have happened. We have to be very careful. If I have something against Ryan, the Bible tells me I'm supposed to go to Ryan. I'm not supposed to go to somebody else and say, did you hear what Ryan did to me? Yeah. I'm supposed to go to Ryan. Yeah. I'm supposed to go to the Lord. Yes. Without self-control, no restraint or holding back on what I want. I want it. I'm not even going to think about the consequences. I'm just going to get it. I have no self-control. That creeps up on me when I go into Brahms. <laughs> I know that's a humorous way, but, but if you can think of it in other terms other than just that, then you understand what I'm talking about. Brutal. Which means cruel. Not lovers of the good, meaning their affections lean toward ungodly things and activities. They're not lovers of the good. Which means that those good and perfect things, those things that God gives, those good influences, the take on those things is... Eh, I can take them or leave them. But because 
I'm not enveloped in those things that God has given me, I'm more likely to pursue and lean toward ungodly things if I don't love godly things. I'm more accepting of things that I shouldn't do if I don't embrace things that I know that God wants me to do. Verse 4, they're treacherous. Those who violate and they betray their faith. They're rash, which means they're quick to speak and give little advanced thought about what they say. Some people know people like that. They just say what, what's on the top of their mind. They don't even, they have no filter at all. They just, blah, there it is. I pray there's nobody in this room. At least when you're in the presence of somebody else. I know going down the road it can be quite a different thing. And somebody cuts you off and then you just start blurting stuff out. I had to check myself. You know, I'm on my way to work praying and, and worshiping the Lord. And somebody just, you know, goes two lanes over and I, I make some comment. And I said, I don't need to be focusing on that. It wasn't like they caused me to have a wreck. I just thought they were stupid. I mean, you know, but and, and, and what they did didn't make a lot of sense and probably wasn't very safe. But I thought I allowed that to disrupt what I was doing. And I said, Lord, forgive me. I, I don't want to focus on that. I want to focus on you. They're conceited. Entertaining a flattering opinion of oneself. They're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That really doesn't need much explanation. It's pretty plain. And then verse 5 says this, having a form of godliness but denying its power and then have nothing to do with such people. This passage, although written thousands of years ago, perfectly describes what's around us today. All of these things, probably we know somebody, maybe several people, Maybe one person that exemplifies more than just a few of these qualities. And the Bible says, have nothing to do with such people. That's pretty plain. Pastor, what does it mean? It means I'm never supposed to talk to anybody. What it means is that you cannot afford to allow them to be close enough to you to cause you to be influenced by how they live and how they act. And we're certainly not supposed to live that way ourselves. We're talking about what it's like in the last days in our culture today many in the religious world seem to have this form of godliness but the actions and behavior they are engaged in are evidence that they deny the true demonstration of power just because the word church is in the name doesn't make it sanctioned by God people can say I'm a Christian. 30 years ago, it meant something. Today, it really doesn't mean a thing. You tell somebody a Christian, oh yeah, we're all Christians. No, we're not. I'm a Christian because I go to a church. That doesn't make you a Christian. 
There are some that had a godly history and heritage, but somewhere along the way, the demonstration of God's power was no longer welcomed, and the form of godliness became the new normal. Any church organization, leader, or parishioner that has adopted this form of godliness by perpetuating a social, political, or philosophical gospel instead of the true demonstration of God's power through Jesus Christ will be held accountable for the scores of people they mislead into believing that they are spiritually okay. That took me a long time to write that. I'm going to read it again. Any church organization, leader, or parishioner that has adopted this form of godliness by perpetuating a social, political, or philosophical gospel instead of the true demonstration of God's power through Jesus Christ will be held accountable for the scores of people they mislead into believing that they are spiritually okay. There are churches in name only that have gone off the deep end and they've engaged into civil involvement to the exclusion of Jesus Christ. Their original mission may have involved Jesus Christ and to save the lost because that was Jesus' primary mission. But may I tell you that God has not called the church to go down to our government and say, well, this is what you should do. This is what you should do. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be involved in our civil system, our civics organizations. We shouldn't, we, I'm not saying we shouldn't be involved in our government but what I am saying is that when that becomes our primary focus and when we leave Jesus Christ in behind and we just say this is going to be our only focus then we have truly missed what God has called us to do any time that we deny the power of God through Jesus Christ and we focus on anything else There is no demonstration of power anymore in that place. What is the true demonstration of power? I'm glad you asked. Romans chapter 1 verse 14. Paul writes this, I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel, which is the good news, also to, also to you who are in Rome. In verse 16, he says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. It is the power of God. You want a true demonstration of power? The true demonstration of power is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ that we must not ever be ashamed of because the true true demonstration of the power of God is through faith in Jesus Christ and the power that God brings salvation to everyone who believes. 
first to the Jew and to the Gentile because Jesus was sent to the children of Israel first and also to the Gentiles. Thank God because most of us here are Gentiles. And then he says in verse 17, For in the gospel, this right here, the good news of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed. That means right standing with God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, or one translation says from faith to faith, meaning that from the very first time that you place your faith in Jesus Christ until you draw your last breath through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a righteousness that Jesus brings to your life, a right standing with your Heavenly Father that can only happen through your relationship with Jesus Christ. And that righteousness is enough to make you stand firm in your foundation and your standing with an Almighty Creator, our Heavenly Father that will keep you from the very first time you put your faith and trust in Him all the way through the rest of your life. Just as it is written, the righteous or the just will live by faith, which is from Habakkuk 2 and 4 in the chapter where he writes, write the vision, make it plain so that they that read it can run with it. The vision for your life first involves living by faith and trust we found out last week is the key component of the next step after faith is continual trust, unconditional trust in Jesus Christ. Romans 3.22 says, This righteousness is given, here it is again, through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Not some who believe, but to all that believe. Many times people make it hard. People think that it's harder than it is. Oh, I could never fit into church. I could never go because I've got so much wrong with my life. I, I you know, I've got to, I've got to fix things up. And um, I, I, I don't know why, but a couple, a couple weeks ago, I, I felt like I was speaking specifically to people who had once walked with God and then they had walked away from God in their faith and they were far from God. But may I tell you, those who have once walked closely with God and then they've turned around and gone the other direction, can I tell you today that you don't have to make things just a certain way to return to serving God. You don't have to make things yourself a certain way to make yourself presentable to God. There's nothing that you can do that will make yourself presentable to Him. There is nothing that you can do to make yourself acceptable to yourself or mankind or any body of believers. But the only thing that makes you acceptable is Jesus Christ Himself because He died for you so that you could be acceptable to Himself and everyone else. And He receives you just the way that you are. Don't think that I've got to make things right I've been there. I mentioned this before. I didn't want to go to church because I didn't want to live the life. And I thought, well, if I'm not going to live the life, I'm not going to be two-faced and I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to go to church and pretend I'm living for God when I know in secret I'm not. Whatever your reasoning is for being here, you need to be here because you need the godly influence and the power of the Word of God. You need the encouraging fellowship of believers that will hold you up in prayer, that will stand in faith with you and won't push you down, but will pull you back up. When you get to a low point, I had someone tell me several years ago, says, Pastor, I feel, I feel like 
They were really basically telling me they were, felt like they were a failure because every time we had an altar call, they, had, they, they came up for prayer and they felt like, I, I feel like I'm coming up every service and there's struggles that I'm going through. And I told them this. I said, if you have to come up every time we, we meet in this church, then you come. You don't stay back there. If you know you need to come, you come. That's what we're here for. If you have to ride this altar all the way to heaven, just put a saddle on it, get on it, and ride it all the way to heaven and people of God will stand with you. This is the true demonstration of power through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. I want to close with this passage of Scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. It starts off, for Christ. Here it is, for Christ. Talking about Jesus. Did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, the good news. Not with wisdom and eloquence. In other words, not with just the form of godliness. Lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. I want you to understand this. When we depend upon our own abilities and we depend upon our own intellect, and we try to do things and, 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 and we try to just elevate ourselves we take the focus away from Christ and we empty the, the cross of Christ of its power because we're saying what we have is more important than the message of Christ he said I didn't come to you in that way because he didn't want any focus to be off of the cross of Christ can you believe there are churches today, churches today, that don't even talk about the Christ, that they don't even talk about the cross. They don't talk about that. They want the feel-good gospel. They want to talk about everybody's okay. I heard evangelist Steve Hill, who went on to pastor before he, uh, not too long before he passed away, a few years before he passed away, a number of years ago, he said a young man came in to the service. So you, evangelist Steve Hill was the primary evangelist at the Brownsville Revival in the mid-90s. And um, when the cross of Christ is not emptied of its power and the full power of Christ and the righteousness right standing with God when we're close to God, it causes us to look at different things differently. He, um, he said this. Evangelist Steve Hill, Pastor Steve Hill said this. He said when... He said we were pastoring a church and a young man came in the church. And after church, he said... I never knew it was wrong to live with my girlfriend without being married. And he had gone to a church for three years in this church. Never had any concept or idea that it was wrong. Which speaks volumes. 
You see, church, we don't have to beat people over the head and say, you got to live this way, you got to do that. If you point people to Jesus Christ, they get in the Word of God, they get in their prayer closet, then the Holy Spirit that convicts them and draws them to repentance is the same Holy Spirit that Jesus said, I will send, and He is a teacher, and He will lead you and guide you into all truth. You see, what happens many times is Christians, sometimes we lose sight and lose focus of some of these things. And we begin accepting things that were once unacceptable. Not because they magically became acceptable, but because perhaps we're not as close as we once were to the Lord. Because God doesn't change. Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if we're not as close to the Lord as we once were, guess who moved? It wasn't Him. Verse 18, He said, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. To us who believe, who continue to believe in Jesus Christ, it is the power of God. The true demonstration of the power of the power of God is the saving power of Jesus Christ who has conquered sin and sin's penalty for all who believe in Him. That's all that it takes. A demonstration of power that you need in your life is a demonstration of saving, delivering power of Christ. He will set you free from the chains of sin, from sin's oppression, from the emotional scars that have, that have weighed you down and, and crippled you from up to now. Trust Him and He will be your closest friend all the days of your life. Only then will you have true and lasting peace and know that joy that His unconditional love will bring. You may struggle with feeling loved. May I tell you that Jesus loves you unconditionally. There is nothing in all creation that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Nothing. The enemy of your soul doesn't want you to realize that. And so the question I ask you this morning is, will you accept His love? Will you continue to walk in and embrace your life in Jesus Christ? It's not hard. It just takes a surrender. Let the demonstration of power in your life through Jesus Christ be your acceptance of Him and you going all the way with Jesus. I'm going all the way with Jesus. All the way. All the way. Not just part way, but every step of the way. Would you bow your heads this morning? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you because it is a powerful time. As we have studied about the power of God, Lord, and, the, and how the world is today, Lord, you are calling us to allow Jesus to be 
a part of our lives more than ever before. To be the only focus that we need. Holy Spirit, as you deal with the hearts today, deep down you know what's needed. I thank you for it and I praise you for it in the name of Jesus.